excited for this. Dude, I know. <laughs> it's okay. Also, like, like I can't find any music <laughs> online for this. No? Um, you mean for the bedrock bump? I, I, I found the bedrock bump. Good. Uh, <laughs> That's an important one. But I couldn't find, like, a soundtrack. I couldn't find, like, YouTube songs. Yeah, no shit, Zane. Like, it's... <laughs> it it's... didn't have a soundtrack. Right, but, like, it I It was pre-movie soundtrack days. Yeah, I couldn't even find, like, any random music for it. So I guess we'll just have, like, the intro themes to each of them and, like... Throw, throw the Scooby-Doo intro theme in there, too. No one's gonna know. Why, why not? Um, and I did find, like, a, uh... Like, a concert band playing the Jetsons meet the Flintstones, so I guess that's what we'll ride in on. I I, I can't even remember. I don't even remember the theme for the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. It's just the Jetsons, and then it transitions into the Flintstones, or vice versa. Uh, okay. Dude, it doesn't matter. Just put Smurfs in there. It, like, <laughs> it's just put random-ass music throughout. What's that? Just put random-ass music that sounds kind of right <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just what's going on in my head right now. I like it. Just uh, just throw the sniz and fondue theme in ad nauseum. What That's is good. going on in your head right now? Ah, uh, dude, I'm, I'm I don't know, man. I'm, it's, weird, it's a weird weekend. I, uh, I got a lot of stuff done, but I never actually got to the thing that I wanted to get done. So I'm oh, feeling like prolific yet uh, unfulfilled at yeah. the same time. Yeah. I think I should be okay. I just need to. I just need to get get to work that's all mm-hmm. which means that we should rock it through this as soon as we can yeah let's let's jam it out all right well um let's start hello everyone my name is ben and my name is zane and this is the carton cast where we watch old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults and this is the bootleg segment where we watch uh, uh, movies that yeah. in this case happen to also be just old cartoons mm. this yeah but worse it, <laughs> this like, is like U.S. Acres all over again, Zane. <laughs> Flintstones is okay, and then they just threw. I'll admit you know, to having Roy a lapse the in judgment, in but you were the one who wanted to have a movie that wasn't the smash hit. <laughs> yeah, but it's still it was still supposed to be a movie. <laughs> like yeah. this barely qualifies. You know what? It's an important piece of cinematic history. It, you're not you're not wrong. This is uh, <laughs> so. What are we watching again, Zane? We are watching The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones, and you can remember that it's in that order because, you know, it has the words Meet the Flintstones, and those are the words from the from the Flintstones theme song. Except that in the Jetsons theme song, it says Meet George Jetson. Okay, so... His boy Elroy, daughter Judy, Jane, his wife. <laughs> da, 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 right, but the movie's not called The Flintstones Meet George Jetson, daughter Judy... <laughs> His boy, right. <laughs> right. right? Yes, um, that would be a very strange title. <laughs> That's a weird ordering for that too. Like they go from George to his and son, and then right along to the next of kin in the males. Right? They go right to, they go right <laughs> this to is the order of succession, and then uh, you know some 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 women and stuff later on. Um, yeah, and this movie came out in 1987. Uh, it was made for TV, if you can believe that. Uh, <laughs> I would not be able to believe anything else. <laughs> and it was made by Hanna Barbera, who did all all these old cartoons. Right, of course. Um, We've dealt with 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 Hanna Barberisms before. With um, well, at least tangentially with Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably our most prominent example. I think we've done another show with with Hanna Barbera. Right? Possible. Um, Space Ghost. 
uh, <laughs> I guess so. S- similar feeling. Yes. I mean, um, that's exactly the same idea. And, and the movie is based on the two shows, uh, The Flintstones, which ran from 1960 to 1966, really old, and The yeah. Jetsons, which ran from 62 to 63 and had a revival 85 to 87. So this is right after, uh, this is like the capstone on that body of work. Yeah, for for all those people who were just 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 really needed the closure, <laughs> and couldn't get it from the honeymooners, which Flintstones was based off of. Right. So both of these shows, because Jetsons Jetsons was based on the Flintstones, and and uh, I saw an interview by uh, Hannah and and Barbara who basically say like, yeah, you know, each of these shows has like their own little thing that separates them, but they're all very similar. Um. But it, it all comes back to The Honeymooners, a sitcom that popularized the idea that married life is hell. Right, and can only be resolved through beating one's wife. Right. Um, Fred Flintstone is very clearly based off of Jackie Gleason. <laughs> and George Jetson One of these is, days, is the, uh, Wilma. <laughs> George Jetson is the um, sort of less effective, less angry, but more, I don't know, spineless version they they took a um so this is actually kind of the thrust of the whole movie as far as i could tell is comparing these two underneath like a microscope mm-hmm. and uh you you really get the most out of that comparing the two main characters which is uh blue co- blue collar patriarch and white collar patriarch mm. and uh yeah and and dear listener my name is ben uh when i mean, when anyone has a cartoon and says this is devoid of meaning and is pure spectacle i say let me teach you some. Let me teach you how much I think about cartoons on a day-to-day basis. You cannot conceive of a cartoon that I cannot <laughs> throw under a microscope and get something out of. And this, my dear boy Zane, yes, sir, is a movie wherein a blue-collar and white-collar family are introduced to opportunity knocking at their door and finding it uh, ill-suited to their lives. Hmm. And we will get into that. I will I will point it out when it comes to fruition. That is the only thing of substance in this movie. Right. The rest of it is an episode of the Flintston, Flintstones that was infected with an episode <laughs> of the Jetsons. Like a virus. Speaking it's of infections, so bad. <laughs> I, I just watched um, John Carpenter's The Thing. And by just, I mean like I finished half an hour ago. Oh, wow. I uh, watched this movie this morning because I've been putting it off. <laughs> yeah, me too. But okay. the, the John Carpenter's The Thing is in every way, in tone, complexity, execution, the polar opposite of the movie we're about to talk about. Can you can you give me some touchstones for that? Uh, it is a dark horror suspense film where the uh, nature of paranoia and the human condition is brought into conflict uh, between a man and the elements, man and himself, man and nature, man and other men. It's it's beautifully done. Zane, that's like saying that water is the opposite of air. Like, you don't get the opposite of... You don't say, here's a thing with a, bo- a lot of stuff to it, and say that's the opposite of everything with nothing to it. That's not an opposite. That's just proving that that is more worthwhile than what we're about to talk about. But, I don't know. I feel like this movie that I did pick, and I accept that, um i i'm i'm past blaming you and i'm now um this is stockholm syndrome you're my brother in arms we're gonna get through this <laughs> i'm also your brother um right. but this movie you know i didn't pick up on the on the blue collar white collar though that's an interesting vein that we can follow into i found this 
Oh, I, I won't shut up about I it. I was hoping that there would be something here, and I'm, you know, I just found a lot of things thrown in that didn't need to be there. Yeah, like I said, it's just an episode of the Flintstones and an episode of the Jetsons. But in, in, it could in have a been single, something else. In a single episode, you know, there's not enough time, and they pare things down, and and they, you know, they streamline it a bit. This was clunky. Yeah, like. If, if, if by paring things down you meant with a paring knife, this was pretty much done with a machete. Yeah. Um, and it, Zane, this could have been really cool. This could have been a really incisive look at kind of the the male role model archetypes as defined by two different generations. Yeah. Man, was it ever not this that. This could have though. been the Hey Arnold of its day. Oh, man, Zane, at some point in the movie, Fred Flintstone turns into Big Bob Pataki, all hold, no hold, no stops. Oh, that was just, in my mind crazy. constantly. <laughs> I only just came up with it once it, like, happened, and I was just like, oh, shit, yeah. he's back. Well, let's let's talk briefly about what this movie's about. It will take all of 10 seconds, and then we can look at the characters quick. Um, basically, we, we follow... Trading places. We follow parallel storylines in the Flintstones and the Jetsons, prehistoric family, futuristic family. Um and then his boy Elroy invents a time machine and they <laughs> and for referring to him his boy Elroy. <laughs> Is that not his name? You're saying that like it's his first and middle name. I thought it was. Um invents a time machine, they all go back in time. For no reason. For no reason. Because they're bored. And then <laughs> Uh-oh. The motivation in the future is very bad. Uh-oh, it's broken. Sends the Flintstones to the future. And then, as you say, they realize, you know, I don't There's like my... They, they realize, the way, like, yeah. I don't like my life, but it, these struggles are my own. Yeah, at least I'm familiar with my life. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like the Corpse Bride in that way. That they're, they're awakened to this other kind of life, mm-hmm. and they realize that they're ill-equipped to handle it, and so they run away, yeah. even though it's probably better. This could be really deep, but it just wasn't, you know... It it wasn't what it was. It couldn't be. Yeah, it's it it couldn't have been deep because the base materials are so slapstick and hijinks ensue. Like if if anyone remembers actually watching the Flintstones, it actually had a laugh track, and uh, you know there, there's there's only so deep you can get with that kind of formula. Yeah. And then the Jetsons Jetson Jetsons Jetsons are just like the Flintstones if they were shittier. I, you know, in the course of watching this and growing to hate Fred Flintstone more and more. Really? I, I actually liked it more and more. <laughs> I actually started liking the Jetsons a lot more. Just just by comparison. What about Judy? Except for Judy. Yeah. Judy's a problem in this movie. Well, Judy went native. That doesn't count. That it totally counts. <laughs> she started native if you're referring to nativity in the same way that I am, which is <laughs> a Kim possible sex a sexism that can only be rivaled by the most possible of Kims. <laughs> I, <laughs> Chrissy popped in and like watched little bits of this, and I kept on having <laughs> I kept on having to say whenever you know Judy or Jane or something. It's for work. I'm like, it was a different tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you think, honey. It's for work. <laughs> this is a business call. Yeah, surprisingly, Hannah and Barbara were both men. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's just it was a different. This was the '60s when they created these characters, right? Yeah, and although I'm it, not even I'm not even sold that Judy was like this in the show, like the, in the Jetsons. The fact that this movie came out in the late '80s shocked me. Yeah, I was kind of shocked when I saw that the Flintstones and Jetsons were done in the '60s. I thought they were done in the '70s. I mean, they they brought it to space, right? One of the astronauts said "Yabba Dabba Doo," right? Oh, Yabba Dabba Doo is great. 
Gabba do and uh, what what was George's uh Uba Duba Uba that's not 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 doing it. No, it's That's not good. Uba doing it. I I kind of like that it, it was, you know, this colloquialism that survived the uh the erosion of aeons though. Yeah, it's like how it's in the more... far future people will just be saying like eat my shorts. No one's going to remember the Simpsons. It's just going to be uh, only they'll get a little uh, they'll get it a little bit wrong, so they're going to just be saying eat my shorts. <laughs> The future's a magical place. <laughs> I cannot wait for <laughs> the entire world to become uninhabitable. Uh, and us to live in gigantic skyscrapers in some sort of Heinleinian fantasy. Yeah. Um, That's what Jetsons like, is. I I found a conspiracy theory. Ooh. Uh, Do you want to lead in with that so we can have it at our fingertips the whole time? Yeah. Well, the idea is, you know, Elroy and his family... Our ghosts. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> um, they wanted to go into the future originally. And, you know, they say, oh, no, it went bad and they went to the past. But what if they did go to the future? You see, the, Jet- the Jetsons, <laughs> they live in the clouds because they destroyed their environment, possibly with nukes. Remember, both of these shows ran during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. The animals that survived adapted, becoming intelligent. And when it was safe for humans to come back down and shun the technology that destroyed their civilization once already, they decided to use the altered animals to replace their technology. Yeah, except that, like, remember when they bring the car back to the Jetsons' time and everyone's like, hey, man, this is great. We should drive in cars again. Ben, our current society has a ton of nostalgia for things that didn't actually happen. And for stuff that was, like, actively harmful to us. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that that explains like, why the Flintstones. Like, just remember the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That, would, that that explains why the Flintstones have you know this these animal tech things that serve roles that you wouldn't need back then, and also why they celebrate Christmas. It, yeah, it goes off the same. Uh, it goes off the same rules as um, that one episode of Futurama where they make a time machine that only goes into the future because mm-hmm. the big crunch happens, big bang happens, but. Because of some weird determinism that doesn't actually exist on that scale, I think, everything just happens exactly the same. I think Elroy even says, like, hey, maybe we looped back, and then they, they just don't bring up that possibility ever again. Did did, did he actually say that? Uh, I, I'll We'll see in my notes when we get there. <laughs> I, I only had him written down as child what carries the plot. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the childs who carry this plot briefly. You have this nuclear family uh, unit idea in each of them, following the you know 60s stereotypes so, yeah following the trappings of trappings of levittown just like big bob pataki yeah the father is is the breadwinner stay-at-home mom uh in the mm-hmm. jetsons case we have these two children you know young boys very smart they're not really doing, in the movie um and if, I, if i may say so what do you mean they're, they're not really in the movie they don't really do anything i would say that their bosses have more of a role than their than their than the children it is surprising yeah there's there's this uh constant um Industrial Ten. espionage subplot. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, that was surprising. I spent more time watching Cogswell and Spacely than anyone else. Oh, I would watch that show because you can just see Cogswell just constantly jerking it to Spacely's like ruined success. Yeah, but um, the the major difference between the two families is that uh, you know in the Jetsons case they have the children, and then in the Flintstones case they just have like these Neighbors. friends whom they abuse. <laughs> They don't. They don't really abuse. I mean, of course, Fred just abuses everyone he's with. I, I think I he holds a special place in his heart for Barney. Mm, yeah, I guess. 
Barney, and much by the in the way, same is... way that there's a special place in hell for Barney because he's like this trickster demon in the <laughs> Flintstones, but he really doesn't get that much here until like the very end, which is <laughs> he's, great. He's controlling everything from behind the scenes. He's the puppet master behind it all. All right, so he was sounds... actually behind the in the first generation before the first time skip to the Jetsons, which was then the second time skip over to the Flintstones again. All right, he's behind it all. It, it sounds like we've injected this movie with enough you know subplots and conspiracy theories that we can actually move into it was there anything that you wanted to say about the movie as a whole before we look at the plot uh absorbed into a car some pig stopping device uh dan rather is that who that was i can't i can't i I don't know exactly what i'm trying to oh um I guess there's like one more thing, which is kind of a tone genre thing, which we can bring up right now. Mm-hmm. In addition to the, um, in addition to the like opportunity knocks, and we see what these different uh, classes of family do. You know, blue collared, white collared, mm-hmm. uh, under the stress. Um, we also have this really, I mean, the '60s, and we already mentioned it with Judy, but man, man, oh man, is there just a bunch of sexist DNA to this? uh format this formula yeah absolutely the the men in each case they're the movers and shakers the women are you know in they, each wait, case, they wait they wait for the just... men to do things and then just chastise them like a couple like hen like it's just a like a nagging yeah like they're either naggers. nagging or whiny or actively sabotaging the men yeah, or or aggressively gold diggingly upwardly mobile mm-hmm. it's it's really disgusting it's not great no and they added very little to the actual like flavor of the of the thing. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make that known because yeah. I'm going to be pointing out it in a couple places. Yeah. So audience, um, if if you know we start talking only about Fred and George for the most part, reason. it's it's not because there's we're... a reason other than our like subconscious <laughs> trying to like yeah we're dive not trying to the cut men. the women out of the out of the show. It's if anything we're trying to make it better we're by not doing the this to the weaker them. parts of the show. Right movie movie man do i have to call it that do you want to do another movie soon so that we can kind of wash the taste out i yeah like i i love the movie segment so much and this one really feels like a miss you know like, we needed one like, now they can be good forever bad, but a miss in that it wasn't our regular bootlegged style yeah eh, well we can judge that after we get through it i think we'll have plenty to talk about curiously enough um so yeah. Oh, and the the last thing I wanted to mention is the industrial espionage aspect of it. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time around their bosses and kissing ass to their bosses, and the bosses kind of fighting each other. Um, I, I think George works in some weird, like, nondescript uh, parts manufacturer, um, Spacely's Sprockets, whatever the hell Sprocket is. Mm-hmm. And George works in, like, a demolition yard or something for Slate. Slate Gravel Company whatever yeah it, it does it's not clear why it's it's not like important at all but the fact that like there's this huge part of the show that focuses on these two warring uh like icons of of industry is really strange and they pit, because it's the flintstones meet the jetsons and in each case the upper class is trying to control the blue and white collar workers and pit them against each other so that they don't question why they aren't living in some sort of you know socialist utopia by now. Mm, I, I hadn't considered that. What I did consider was that it was like if Mad Men focused on the janitors. That's what this feels like. <laughs> like the actual plot is going on with the with the brass. Oh, they, like with, there's like, so the much else happening. 
like the, the thing the plot is about the high ups but we're watching fred fail to make a tent it's, and, and it's we just do crazy see, we do see implications of this in the background throughout the the movie where the actions of the main characters have huge widespread ramifications for everyone else in these societies the yeah and it's just not touched on <laughs> no because we don't know the societies even though i'd like to that we we only know you know meet george jets and his boy elroy his hey. boy his boy elroy <laughs> Hey, I, I would want a vacation in in Bedrock. It, you know what? There's a there's this weird, not not so much weird. I would say expected part where when George Jetson, Jetson actually gets to Bedrock, everybody kind of fits in immediately. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's this it's this you know kind of. I, I know I talk about it all the time, but it's it's a cool uh, expression of the idea of noble savagery. Like they're tired of all their gadgets making life easy, and and roughing it kind of suits them for a little bit before harsh reality sets in yeah absolutely they uh well well let's get into it not a lot happens for the first 10 minutes or so it's like we start the day for both fred flintstone and george jetson and it's essentially a briefing on hey the Flintstones are sort of the same show as the Jetsons. They do this mirroring yeah, there's, there's, thing. Yeah, there's a couple of match cuts between them. Um, mm. You know, we get the classic sitcom joke, guy doesn't want to get out of bed. Um, and and it introduces us to these worlds as if we weren't already familiar. But, um, you know, we see, we see a few of their gizmos. In the Jetsons case, we see their gizmos, like the dressing and cooking machines, and they're, they're on the fritz. They never work right. And this foreshadows Elroy's time machine... Um, which he then goes off to work on. Interestingly, it seems as though there's just as many problems in the future as there are in Prehistoria, which sort of uh, recollected to me this, um, you know how, you know that statistic, like in the 80s uh, compared to the 50s, um, uh, women had so many more like gadgets around the house to make work easier, but it takes the same amount of time just because there's so many more distractions to keep track of. Well, it's whatever that statistic um, was. It, it's more like how people said, like, yeah, in the future, people will have three-day work weeks, and they'll only be working uh, five. And they say and that. now we're fighting but... for 40-hour work weeks, because <laughs> they're just trying <laughs> yeah. to crank it up to, like, 50. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, and we're introduced to the family. Judy's upset about a boy. Rosie yeah, is a sassy black robot. Um, Jane's trying yeah, to keep I think it all that together. She's, she's got to be my favorite character. Who, Rosie? Rosie. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, Rosie, Rosie the Rivet. Rosie the Riveter. No, just the rivet. What is a rivet? It's like a it's like a You don't know. It's right no, up there like with sprockets and cocks. <laughs> it's the thing you like hold uh you like hold beams in place. You got like a rivet gun and like <laughs> holds the thing in place. You're full in of crap. No, it's true. Look it up. Oh, um it's and on that poster with the with the arm pump motion. And then we watch uh, we see the Flintstones and they're modern device analogs are much more interesting you know it's not like just throwing buttons and lights on a machine and seeing what happens they have to think of like okay what sort of animal would fulfill this role and and how would they do it how would they feel about it yeah there's a lot of atmospheric like irony going on in the animation in the flintstones that is completely neglected in the jetsons like kind of necessarily so um i mean i i kind of would have appreciated like i mean i guess they they could have done cool things with like Astro, where like modern th- modern family things represented by uh, robots. They sort of have that with uh, with Rosie, I guess. 
but uh for the most part it's 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 glossed over entirely we we only get the really good atmosphere like environmental storytelling in in the flintstones or world building i should say yeah and it's funnier <laughs> they having a pig just living in the garbage disposal it's like okay <laughs> yeah all right, all right i get it they probably eat a lot it's cool um and we so, get we, we we see both of them starting these classic sitcom plots you know uh, Wilma wants Fred to take her on vacation but he's being a terrible husband and meanwhile <laughs> and meanwhile much. George is being brought up on charges of industrial espionage <laughs> yeah that's awesome it, like he comes into work Mr. Spacely <laughs> just chews him out well uh, from what i can tell George is his only employee and <laughs> And, and he, robots. And he immediately says, you're the only person here. You must have leaked secrets to the enemy, Cogswell yeah. Cogs, and says, you are now guilty until proven innocent. Clear your name so you can keep a job where your boss accuses you of industrial espionage. Speaking of Mr. Spacely, like, like, look at his character design. He's clearly Hitler, right? He's a little, he's a little Hitlerian <laughs> with, with some, uh, with some, uh, Oh, like I've never got... seen a cartoon character rock that mustache <laughs> without with a, being with a like little a bit of clone. a Napoleon thrown in there because he's actually um, uh, an LP. Yeah, which is a curious design choice that I didn't dislike. I think Mister Spacely <laughs> might be my favorite part of the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so angry all the time, and he's like, he's so clearly impotent in his setting. He can't do anything. Well, he, he kind of has the same attitude as Fred Flintstone does in the past, except it's way more successful in the future where everyone's like a spineless wimp. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, even I the computers expected... are spineless wimps. <laughs> as soon as I realized that how much more ineffectual and blubbering George Jetson was than Fred Flintstone, I half expected Fred to, like, take over the planet when he got to the future, despite <laughs> being aggressive. Speaking of, um, we, next, we next see Fred telling Bonnie... Uh, about his great plan instead of giving their wives the vacations they want they gamble the money that they've saved to buy away better vacation yep yeah yep this uh, is hijinks but, percolate but oh like, no his boss wants him working that night we're entering the second act you know yep. beatrice is bemoaning her fate as a woman and <laughs> it's just man it's just man what a formula that i mean we don't normally get formula like this in movies because they're not usually composed of the cartoons that we're already familiar with. But yeah, but good God, and so so you know exactly how it's going to go wrong. Well, here's the thing: both bosses um, are setting up the idea that they need a competitive advantage. Uh, you know, Slate needs Flintstone to work more hours for less pay. Uh, you know, Spacely needs to improve his security. They need to improve their you know tech or whatever. These are. These are things that actually improve the product for the customer, as opposed to at the end of, of the movie where, you know, they've improved their standing. They have competitive advantage, but it's all marketing. It's all fluff. Yeah, I didn't get none of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming up with this as I go, but we got to do something. It's not, it's not terrible. I, I don't know what to, I can really say about it. Let's keep that in mind as we something, go Something, something the 60s. Um, yeah. So the subplots that they set up are uh, in the past, or rather in... In Fred Flintstone's world, um, he and Barney sneak out of their night shift to go crash a poker game that Slate happens to be at to take all of his boss's money. Yeah, over at the Silver Twilight Lodge. Oh my God! Over at the at the Elk Club, the like men's club, the the water the buffalo stone cutters. It's I really he wish says, the stone cutters made an appearance. Barney, oh my God! Like the Freemasons. 
By the way, this was before Pebbles. Oh yeah. Did did Flintstones come back or something? They stole a child from the future. (laughs) It must have happened. Bam Bam is clearly a genetic experiment gone wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And anyway, so that's the subplot in the past. The subplot in the future is that George discovers uh, that Rudy, his blubbering idiot computer, happens to be in love with uh, the Cogswell computer, and that's why he's leaking secrets. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's discovered, and no one cared. Uh, Yeah, they kind of leave that for a bit. He doesn't, like, think to just explain that immediately right and and they it just kind of gets to the point where uh, i don't know that that part of the plot is 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 lapsed over we have a nice scene at the poker room where yeah uh, fred (laughs) dresses up as yosemite sam well they dress as a rich couple in a move that's so obvious i thought it up and dismissed it as too stupid before (laughs) he even mentioned it and then he went ahead and did it anyway yeah barney looks like jessica rabbit like, of like course he's going to get caught. Yeah, but I mean, like, it was kind of funny in the way that that transpired, like how they had, like, a system for, for mm-hmm. you know, gaming the system, and then Barney fucks it up because he's just a ponce. Oh, oh, oh no, then, but like, he's I, controlling everything from behind the scenes. This was, yeah, this feigning ignorance. This was kind of a fun, I like the scene because it was just the Flintstones. Yeah, they, they didn't worry about, you know, the other plot lines or even other characters besides flintstone barney and the guy they're trying to pull one over on they spend too much of their energy in this movie trying to make all the ridiculous threads into a quilt well i think they don't need to just leave it as a pile of thread i think they draw parallels really well so you know they both have the competitive advantage thing both fred and george um you know try and find things out by dressing up uh you know uh george jetson dresses up as the dude's robot dog and yeah, that was awesome actually. When <laughs> when 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 Cogswell like feeds him a robo bone. Um robo and, bone. and their solution to both of their problems is to sort of run away from them or like just wait. Yeah. Well well I mean George threatens to fire or unplug Rudy. Ru- Rudy yeah. b- by the way just being the saddest looking computer. Uh, yeah, he's like um he's like uh the he's like one of those he's like the slime chancellor from Futurama from that one episode. Oh yeah, the, I the... need to serve. Okay, that that's got to be a reference to a real person. Who is that? Um, I don't know. It's absolutely a reference to a real person. He I looks like he's got to be on something life ruining. Um, but what? Yeah, but he's Rudy, definitely jamming the Prozac pretty but, hard. But Rudy like prevents him from actually telling Mister Spacely. He like traps him in a Hal esque situation. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> like, can't let you do that, George. But then, like, seen away, um, and then when we come back, he's just at home. Like, oh, see you tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just living for the night. Um, yeah, George runs away from his problems, and Fred and Barney are promptly fired because they're idiots. Because of course they are. Like, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Even, like, we're skipping over details because the plot is so irrelevant. <laughs> well, I think it's funny the fact that like they were fired. They like they got found out, and they didn't do their jobs, and they <laughs> lost the gambling. Like if any one of those things happened, like it would have been wrong. But no, all three had to. No, yeah, of course, it all has to be the the house of cards has to come crashing down. Yeah, and 
Finally, at 25 minutes into the movie, the plot starts. Wherein... Right. And, and there's actually some witty dialogue here. I, I thought that the dialogue um, throughout the movie was actually better than I was expecting. It, was, it wasn't terrible at times. There were a couple gems that I wrote down. What did you? What were you referring to? Oh, well, Mr. Orbit's like, I see it, I don't believe it. I see it, I don't believe it. And George's oh, like, yeah. I, I gotta see this. And he's like, eh, you won't believe it. Um, or when Elroy is trying to prove his time machine works and, and George says, or Elroy says, well, how else do you explain this? And he reveals a harem girl. <laughs> yeah, he's like, forget me explaining this. How are you explaining this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like, she starts kissing him, and he's like, yeah, maybe I do have to explain this. <laughs> 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 I like the, uh, I like the, the, uh, I like the phrase that uh, Fred used to win over Barney into his absurd scheme to get to win their gamblings in poker. Oh, which one was like, that? Fred, you've you've had this idea six times before, and you've lost every time. And he's like, "Yeah, but you have you ever seen me lose seven times in a row? <laughs> uh, no, not technically." Well, there you go. That's great. Next um, scene. <laughs> next, yeah. The the Jetsons and the Flintstones were not terrible shows. Like they were all right. No, it was okay. Like I actually think I really dug the Flintstones. It reminded me of a like a a cartoon prehistory Roseanne that didn't that didn't grow up yet. Well, their strength was the dialogue and the, you know, slapstick and all that, but this movie requires too much plot. Well, and the and the environmental humor. Yeah. You know, brontosaurus ribs, that sort of thing. It's hilarious. I like I think, watching I large that, meat. Dude, <laughs> yeah, okay, first of all, big <laughs> like big shout out to large meat. <laughs> <laughs> number one fan can i get quoted on that every day of my life <laughs> big shout out to large meat secondly i think that that car that fred drives that everyone in prehistoria drives i think that's so funny <laughs> whether they're just pedaling with their feet yeah it's just big cylinders for the wheels and they're pedaling with their feet and they keep like, the pedaling nobody thinks has to, like, like boots nobody thinks to, like hold on and just like give it one firm push no it's like a bunch of little tiny steps come on Zane, they're cavemen I'm surprised they got even got the cylinders round. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these square wheels. There's got to see, be a better way. I would love to see a scientist in 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 bedrock, like a Professor Frank esque, but like oh, his sure trench coat is just like this patchy, like slovenly mess, and he's like oh. wearing sandals that are made out of blocks of wood. This is a side conversation, but you you mentioned this was this wasn't before pebbles showed up this this movie was done like years after both ran but like i guess they just ignored they did right? but they also ignored you know the great gazoo <gasps> how, how Zane, would he have how would he have Zane, changed this movie do you they think didn't they didn't put in the great gazoo i'm no, so ben, upset they did he's the one controlling barney uh, he's dressed up as barney zane barney's <laughs> been dead for years ben we, we're on to something here <laughs> We're out of a lot of garbage. Uh, I love big meat. Anyway. Um, so... Yeah. So rather than following up on the incredible plot development of having a working time machine, um, we, we jump back to see Fred not telling I... his blindfolded wife that he uh, he lost their money and his job and they're on their way to their crappy, cheap vacation. And oh no, no his dog ate his food. He doesn't tell him that. He, uh, he it like, becomes very clear. He them and is like, you're going to love this surprise. Like... He's clearly just staying his own execution for as long as possible. Yeah. The the Flintstones are cleaving complicit. very hard to their sitcom roots here. Mm-hmm. Like, just building up the lies until, you know... Th- there's cards, there's yeah. an upper limit to how mad she's going to get at me. Yeah, I, I might as well just put it off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the audacity will win her over. Who knows? 
Um, I'd I'd like to point out that when wait, I forget. Did the Great. camping starting scene happen before they actually tried to use the time machine? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't care. Like these scenes really jump matter. back and forth pretty quickly. Yeah. So I've lumped I... a couple together. There's a there's a really awesome editing malfunction when the Jetsons are about to use the time machine, which, by the way, this entire family is just like, fuck it, using a time machine. Like, no yeah. motivating factor at all. They're just bored. Yeah, let's, let's check out the future, guys. Check out the future. And uh, so... Well, it's a great way to get away from their problems. Right, except for Judy. Like, unless it's like a why the last man situation, <laughs> Judy is still going to encounter her problem, which is boys. Yeah. Ben, the, the, the problems that face the common man are eternal. You sound like Louis Anderson's dad. <laughs> Who wouldn't have been out of place in this show. As long as he's in the past. Yeah. Or Cogswell. Either one, really. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that when they're about to use the time machine, they make very specific note that, hey, make sure that we're going to the right place. And his boy Elroy says, don't worry, I've got this lever tuned to the future, I not the that. past. But and no, he didn't. It look it it stares right at the lever, and it's clearly in the past <laughs> position. And that's and then you're like, thinking, okay, maybe he just wasn't paying attention. Maybe, maybe he's that's, an idiot. Maybe that's the joke, okay? But then Astro maybe hits the knob the with his tail, and it changes to the future, and then switches to the past. Like that's what did it. <laughs> maybe it's he so, was planning this the whole time. It's clearly set to the past initially, <laughs> but they just. I don't know. Someone fucked up and just didn't feel the need to change it. This happened. I think that some, really. This happened sometimes in my old comics where, like, they would kill off a character in one panel and then show a group shot of all the other heroes in the next panel, and that character's still in that panel. Yeah, some real raw retconning that needed to happen there. But, you know, it just sort of speaks to the whole editing process in this movie and how they just really didn't care what they were doing. Speaking of speaking, um,. And of Astro. Astro can talk? I did not remember that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a million years of evolution. Humans didn't get any smarter, but dogs did. The names of the dogs are also interesting because Astro's kind of a good dog name. Like, in the future, I imagine they see a lot of stars, so maybe it's the equivalent of naming your dog after something outside. I guess so. You know, like Flora or Rocky. Um, But Dino is just a term for what he is. It's just naming your dog dog. Or That's like okay. do. That's fine. That's what they <laughs> did in Good Omens. He named his dog Dog, and now the Hellhound has to behave like a real dog. Still got to read that. It's pretty good. It's, you know, I, I had high hopes coming in because I'm I'm a big fan of two. Ha- this is actually cogent to our conversation. I'm a big fan of those two halves of the book, but stapling those two authors together like that, it just, you know, there's something to the Genesis that comes out. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the absurdity slash morbidity of their respective settings is it, it sort of builds on itself, but it, you don't want to read Gaiman while you're reading Pratchett and vice versa. So it just like broke down on a tonal level, I guess. L- let's try and keep moving forward. Um... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they go to the past. Yeah, what do you think of this? What, 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 which part? 
the the um, the ten minutes that they for the spend first time. trying to trying to negotiate this new group of people, but like getting spooked. I was kind of happy with this. I was okay. Like this was an okay thing. Like they spend ten solid minutes. Like each yeah. family deliberating how to talk to the other they, family, and they and send they the dogs in. Up. Both the dogs get spooked, run in the other direction. The families go off. They hide behind a tree or a rock. They play up their imaginations before they encounter the horrifying reality that humanity hasn't evolved in the years since humans and dinosaurs coexisted. Not just hasn't evolved, hasn't improved. Yeah, like their base nature is still real, real bad, and their thought processes are no better. And then um, Fred attempts to communicate. By saying "yabba dabba," <laughs> yabba dabba, friend. That was because great. using nonsense words to establish communication makes sense in any way. Yeah, it's and then, oh man, there's okay. So and then he says "uba duba, friend" back. George Jetson does. Is "uba duba" a Jetsons thing? I don't think so. I thought I I think it was made specifically for this movie. Like, oh, we got to give him something stupid to say. <laughs> yeah, we have to make the mirroring even clearer, guys. People aren't going to get it. Um, they they do a little, uh, they do a fun little bit. That I'm gonna say I'm gonna okay I'm gonna do this real like interview with your employee type of thing. Okay, you're being okay. brought up on review. I'm gonna give you a good thing that happened in this scene and then a bad thing that happened in this scene. <laughs> okay. Okay, and then I'm gonna wrap it up with a good thing. The good thing is George says to his family that when when they're like get letting their imaginations get the best of them. Um, George says, with all those super vitamins and steroids, the people of the future might be pretty frightening. Hmm. Which is funny because then he sees Fred Flintstone and his idea that it's still in the future holds up perfectly fine. <laughs> Despite all the nature. Right. Well, like, I, I think it would have been good if, like, El Elroy said something to the effect of, like, we must be in some sort of like uh, historic preservation site or something like that. Yeah. But they never talk about it. Here's the bad thing. Judy says, I don't care where we are as long as there's boys. Wow, they did not write this character. Like, they couldn't have done a worse job if they were, like, angry at, like, a Their jilted ex-lover. Yeah, it must, like, I think they, it must have been on purpose almost. <laughs> it really had to. And Wilma and Betty are just being nagging, stereotypical Stepford moms the whole time. Their characters don't have enough personality to be anything else, and they did need to take up space in this show. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so those were the two. Those was a bad thing and a, a good thing and a bad thing. And then the good thing is, uh, we're that much closer to ending this episode. Yeah, uh, they <laughs> so. they show off the time machine and some other gadgets to that will come up later. And the Flintstones oh, yeah. don't have any trouble accepting all of this. No, they 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 le actually they leave the actual meeting of the minds in the gutter. Like introductions, the plot where they established <laughs> that they came from the future. Oh, and uh, actually I, to I, the past. I'm George Jetson. This is. His boy, Elroy. Uh, <laughs> no, but, like, they actually, the, the part where they discover that they actually went to the past instead of the future, entirely left in the gutter. Never yeah. explained on screen. This is very, very sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every time travel show we've looked at, everyone's very okay with it. Because they explain everything else. But I had to pick up the the actual plot point that they went to the past through context clues. <laughs> Come on, man. I didn't even realize that it was a problem. And then they just... I don't know. Yeah, they just dick around with their future gadgets for a while. And then and the, the go time... dick around with each other's cultures for a while. Yeah, and the then time machine doesn't it. work, so Fred invites them to all live with him. 
Yeah. And when the Jetsons are being driven back to the Flintstones house, they remarked that they heard about automobiles. Mm -hmm. I had forgotten that the future with the Jetsons is entirely above Earth because it's incredibly polluted. Like, that's the backstory of the Jetsons. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I was wondering when the scene happened, if the Jetsons possibly felt any, like, future guilt. Like, you know how we are always like, what will our children think of us if we didn't stop, you know these terrible eco-catastrophes from happening when we had the chance. And I'm see, wondering I think if, if there's like any like guilt there. No, see, I think they went there and they're like, oh man, this nature stuff is great. We should, you know, when we go back to the future or the past, we should fix things up. And it comes full circle. Yeah, it's not going to do that. So I but, like but, Fred's yeah. master plan. Oh my God, point. he can't wait five minutes before scamming them. <laughs> No, it's so good. I love the how Fred's master plan, which is to exploit them for their technology. His designs are purely blue collar designs. Yeah, he wants. Like to he's help... just trying to use them to get his job back. Yeah, he wants to like to get his job back. He's helping his boss win the annual picnic games. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Hanna Barbera. <laughs> Sitcom from the sixties. All right, time to have a race. <laughs> Oh my god, it's, and then, it's so goofy. And then when Mr. Slate sees, you know, George's flying belt or whatever, he signs on the idea rather than sacrificing him to the volcano, which, you know, any self-respecting caveman would have done. Right. I, I was actually wondering for a spell. I wonder if they had, like, a religion in Flintstones <laughs> that had been disproven in the Jetsons. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't bring it up. Yeah, like like praying to the sun spirits at the end of the day, hoping that the sun will come back tomorrow. And the Jets oh is just like, oh man, this is embarrassing. The <laughs> actual tell like, you all about conversation, this. like, yeah, and there's a volcano where we sacrifice a virgin every year. Like, mm-hmm. oh boy, I gotta tell you something about meteorology. Ooh, this this is awkward. <laughs> yeah, so demons not real. <laughs> But surely Satan, mm, uh. <laughs> Now, while demons may not be real, doo-wop is very real. Yes. And is timeless, as I'm sure you loved. <laughs> so, yeah. when they go to the picnic, every, you know, the respective classes and genders go to their respective, you know, corners of the world. Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble go to try to get their jobs back, like good working citizens. Uh, George follows along with the plot, follows the strong, like, alpha male because he doesn't know what else to do. Elroy dicks off to go work on his machine. The wives go around to watch their husbands being idiots. And by and the way, Judy the way fucks they off actually, with a bunch of boys. The way that the, the wives actually established communication was just by saying, like, oh, I love your dress. Oh, I love your dress. Thanks. Who does your hair? Universal language. Super sexy. High five. Um, yeah, so Judy flirts with Iggy from Iggy and the Sandstorms. Yes, that Iggy. <laughs> and he sings her the bedrock rock. Judy Jetson, sweet 16. Once she makes the bedrock scene, she will become the village queen. She'll do the bedrock rock. Which is a really terrible stew-up song. <laughs> and, like, do you remember that song, like, Call me Mr. Flintstone, I Can Make Your Bedrock by Young Money. No. <laughs> I'll cut it in. Okay, great. Yeah. 
I, I like the animation to this song because it's really yeah it's like what they would do if Greece had like an animation like it's just a bunch of them dancing like it's like it's like the opening to Johnny Bravo right they're all doing the monkey in front of a nondescript background <laughs> yeah just sort of colored dancing ovals. in a void yeah it looks like an iPod ad <laughs> it's great I was not a fan of the song. You, oh, you must have liked that doo-wop was representative, though. <laughs> a little. Uh, uh, you know, Ben, it's rock. Is it? Get it? No. You get it? Everything's a rock in the past. Oh, I get it. And That's so, yeah. not great. Um, so George uses his, his uh, All right. gadgets So this is the moment at which he turns into Bob Pataki. <laughs> <laughs> what, what part? He, he systematically say? exploits his boss for our better and better positions in the company by like leveraging this stolen technology over him to help him win the. Ra- this is not. Is this really Flintstones meet the Jetsons? This is crazy. I can't <laughs> believe the plot took this turn. <laughs> it's just so dumb. Yeah. yeah. Like the so Fred is like, uh, if you really want to win this next competition, you'll make me vice president. See. <laughs> and Mr. Slate plays hard to get. Yeah, not very hard though. No, like he really wants to beat this. This uh, I don't even remember what the co- tar pit. Tar pit. Something, something, something. Yeah, but um, you know, slapstick. The two dogs intervene. Uh, they don't manage to win the competitions, and Fred is re-fired again. <laughs> yeah, and also George is fired. Yeah, despite like, not working there. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. Slate's not just like you're fired. He's like you're banished. Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to see you again. You bring me nothing but trouble. But yeah, that's like the first gradation of Fred turning into like this weird, like consumerist, like upwardly mobile, uh, you know, charlatan. Mm-hmm. And it keeps happening for the rest of the movie. <laughs> but like, this is like the thing I was talking about for opportunity is striking and it's changing who he is. He's no longer before he like had this leverage he was just trying to get his job back and make his wife not pissed at him he is now trying to take over the company (laughs) fred flintstone i believe in the original series has a very well established gambling problem i do not that doesn't surprise me in the slightest i can only remember one episode of the simpsons uh, of the flintstones (laughs) kibbe you know it's the same guy (laughs) um remember that oh you should cut in the theme that uh, that Homer sings where he's, like, ripping off the Flintstones because that's actually still the same character. Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in history. From the out of Springfield, he's about to hit a chestnut tree. It, it's kind of okay that, like, I couldn't get any music from this movie or that it didn't have much because there's so many, like, pop culture things I can throw in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yeah. Including the Weird Al uh, Yabadoo now. Oh, I already referenced that. Oh, did you? I don't um, remember. But the, yeah, th- there's one episode where, like, like Fred can't help. Stubble. Can't help but bet on everything, and Gazoo has to help him, like, quit his habit. <laughs> All right. And, and like, when anybody cool. even says bet, he, like, goes into fits. I, I accept, I assume until proven otherwise that Fred has every major male-dominated uh, vice there is in a blue-collar system. You know, I assume he's guilty of beating his wife. 
mm-hmm. of alcoholism, of uh, you know gambling, and I'm not I'm I'm not saying a blanket statement where like this is a thing that pervades all of blue collar society. I'm saying that this is what is associated with blue collar society as far as pop culture is concerned. So I just assume Fred is the ur example, uh, like the, a platonic ideal of low class. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> you say that a lot. Meanwhile, <laughs> well, Ben, this show is all about. Oh yeah. Things. Meanwhile, they like in the future. Man, Spacely is complaining to the computer Rudy about George ruining the business, and we get a nice shot of an assembly line of robots with screens in their chests, and they're all flashing <laughs> "laid off," which uh, like it's just their status. It's so funny because they're robots. Like robots <laughs> were invented so that you wouldn't have to employ. Like, this doesn't make any sense, Ben. Uh, it, do- it does if you assume a, like, sapience to robot kind. Like, once the singularity hit, you got Rosie, the rivet, and, like, a bunch of other robots. They all have consciousness. I would be amazed if Rosie did not get wages. Let me let me take that back. I would be thrilled if Rosie got wages, but I know <laughs> she doesn't. Because this show does not have that kind of... Uh, that kind of con- continuity in mind. I want to point out that when they broke away from the picnic and went back to the future where none of our main characters are, I was so tired of this movie that I had to get up and walk around. <laughs> but Ben, you were about to see break. Mr. Spacely. I'm <laughs> just crying on the floor, like <laughs> having a tantrum like a toddler. Um, but Mr. Spacely leaves and we see Rudy... Um, you know, collaborating with the femputer. I'm, I'm always thinking Rudy to booty. <laughs> Every time you say that. Oh, but he's such a sad sack. Oh, man, the femputer. But um, but Rosie and the maintenance man, uh, Mr. Orbit, uh, they discover Elroy's backup time retrieval plan. And um, so... Yeah, this is one of the moments in the movie where, like, they throw stuff over to... They throw the plot over to somebody else to start resolving it so that they don't have to, so that they can just have hijinks in the past. They also have hijinks in the future, because Spacely barges in to try and find George, and there's wacky hijinks with no payoff. He's just smashing around for a couple minutes. Uh, The Flintstones accidentally get sent to the future um, when uh, his boy Elroy fixes the time machine. Barney hits it with a club, because why not? No, because he's he's in control of this whole situation. Oh, yeah, he's got... (laughs) He's pulling the strings. Yeah, it's it's like uh it's like the foundation, right? He 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 like knew that this specific instance was gonna happen and he would have to be around for it to make sure it happened in just the right way. <laughs> this is a pivotal moment in history. I have to hit this time machine with a club. Yeah. But it sends the Flintstone to the future. And, and now there's... we're just straight into trading places. Well, we get the same bit as before, where they're like, Oh my god, but these the, future yeah. people look ridiculous. And Rosie and and Spacely have that same thing where they're like, oh, boy, the Jetsons haven't aged well. The ravages of time have warped their bodies <laughs> and made them look hideous. Uh, Spacely tries to take his face off. Yeah, and You can't hide from me, somebody who looks like an entirely different person, both in stature and build. And, and Flintstone, he's like... Oh man, future people were one thing, but these robots, I, I don't know, I better try the old yabba-dabba friend line. <laughs> Tried and true. (laughs) And they finally say, like, listen, we wanted a vacation. We're on a vacation. Yep, and so begins the second act, where 
it happens exactly like the beginning of the show where first we had the Flintstones, you know, putzing around prehistory and the Jetsons putzing around in future history. And then uh, they just flip and do the same thing. They just putz around for a while. Fred enjoys, you know, being in a hammock and getting waited on by hand and foot by a bunch of robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wilma and and uh betty are like doing their makeup another thing where like when they shift time periods the first thing that all the women do is check their hair and make make food Mm -hmm. very first thing and uh in the past george jetson is trying to make sure that his family is okay with this and uh they're all taking to the prehistory life they're they're all doing the the paris hilton thing you know yeah They're, they're taking to it real real good it's it's a little bit noble savagery um yeah judy's got that says this one awesome awesome bit Mm. where he tries to eat grass for breakfast (laughs) and can't because we've evolved to be a species that doesn't subsist on grass oh i must have missed that yeah (laughs) yeah he he, elroy is fascinated with the animal-based technology of the past he loves it He's like, I wonder if I can incorporate this into my new plans. And and Judy's got that rock star boyfriend, and uh, Jane is a housewife, and so her opinion does not matter. Nope, nor does it change. Time to feed the family. <laughs> um, yeah. And, so, uh, and like you say, Spacely tests um, Fred's identity in the Scooby-Doo method, pulling on their faces. Uh, yeah, Mr. Spacely concocts this scheme where he wants this caveman to be the spokesman for, you know... Uh, Spacely sprockets. Yeah, because it's it's nostalgia, right? He's getting and the nostalgia like, boost, doing that marketing for, thing rather than actually improving production. Which which is like the only reason that people would watch this movie. So I'm sure that made that like, that's a plot point that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a little meta. Like like they made <laughs> this movie for people, you know, twenty thirty years in the future to critique. Yeah, and then and and to mirror that, uh, George gets his job with Slate by being a flying monkey for the people. Like he uses his, he's the incredible flying man, and you yeah, know, going to put well, here's Slate thing, gravel on the map. Well, here's the thing: when he goes to get the job from Slate, Slate like still hates him for the whole picnic thing. But then Tarpit is there, and he's like, "Dude, how fucking amazing is it that this guy can fly and walk on walls?" <laughs> <laughs> and Slate's like, "Oh, you're right," and he pimps him out to Tarpit. Like he doesn't like put on the show for for Slate. He does it for Tarpit. Right. No. He 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 uses George as sort of leverage to make Tarpit his new partner. Yeah. And so they all make a bunch of money, and George immediately lets it go to his head. Well, yeah. It's it, it, the Jetsons immediately. All of the Jetsons become heartlessly capitalistic and imperialistic. Not to mention voracious consumers. Yeah. They've changed. Which their is station. kind of funny. Yeah. When, when you consider that the Jetsons must have had this exact thing happen in many, many annals of history and just forgot about it. No, they didn't because it's the future. But no, yeah, point. You're, you're, you're right. Um, they were trying to rise up out of their you know current social situation and they just don't know how to get along in the success that they've accumulated. Um, yeah, and, and it's like the, this is sort of the crux of my whole argument which is that this movie is just about like what happens when this family in like middle lower lower middle class uh finally suddenly suddenly finds an opportunity knocking at their doorstep and what happens is they are immediate they immediately adapt to their new new situation Mm -hmm. right um to mirror that in the future fred flintstone 
is becoming it, it like becomes this awesome celebrity. Yeah, he's interviewed and, by these people by Dan Rather, Ed <laughs> Sullivan, and Joan Rivers. This yeah. movie needs to needs to stop at this point. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too crazy now. It's like, yeah, I know those references. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of Tiny Toon Adventures, the way that they just shamelessly included, uh, um, you know, pop culture references that didn't age well. But in Tiny um, Toon Adventures, they use them as jokes. Like, they use them yeah. as, like, the references are, like, as caricatures. Here, they're just, like, it's a thing that's, like, a thing that you know. It's, it's like, five seconds long. Um, <laughs> also, like, Tiny Toon Adventures, the music, uh, we haven't touched on it yet, but throughout this all, it's, it's um you know, they use the main themes of both shows, uh, maybe change them slightly, but it's all very nice. It's orchestrated in that Looney Tunes way, where... Um, you know, the music stands in for both the, the background and the sound effects. Didn't notice it at all. <laughs> That's a mark Did of success. Did not notice the music at all. That's a mark of I was of too pissed off about the, the entire plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and speaking of how absurd this plot is, um, we get another parallel when George is put in charge of Slate's business and the dinosaurs go on strike. It, which is it, uh... just as absurd as the robots going on strike. I wanted to say a uh, a quick thing about um, the way that George and Fred kind of adapt to their new circumstances, yeah. which is not that they're being used for like cultural, uh, like not for, they're not used as like a pivotal mine of cultural and scientific knowledge. Like yeah. they're not like they're not like helping their the new communities like understand their their long distant relatives. They're exploited as. Um, uh, like in this they're they're exploited to be a quick sensation for the masses like they're just there to be celebrities yeah and, and if which this... is ex- exactly how this would turn out in this sort of situation well that's how it would turn out in real life but if if this movie were made today they would focus on the absurdity of these situations and the whole fish out of water aspect uh, if of this it. movie was made today they would immediately try to like dissect them in a district nine sort of way <laughs> Like, we don't know how long these biological materials are going to remain viable. It's time to take out his kidneys. <laughs> you're you're thinking of Rick and Morty again. <laughs> As perhaps I am. Um, wh- where are we in the plot right now? <laughs> uh, oh, the dinosaurs go on strike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have other problems with the businesses they've bought. Which, just because they bought the businesses, not why do they have to run problems. each of them? Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, like uh, Jane, his wife. Yeah, Jane, his wife. Uh, she's like teaching all the dance classes for their yoga, for like the yoga places that she bought up. <laughs> and and George, management like, does not exist in this world. Yeah, and George like puts out the fire at the, you know, because he's now in charge of the fire Personally, department. He's in charge of the concept of fire. Moreover, their popularity is flooding the town with tourists, mm-hmm. which is, you know, oh, this place really sucks. I hate these hipsters. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the so this is exactly the thing that i was talking about where they like they tasted the 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 glorious life and then they are finding it to suit them ill like they're caught up in it for a while but they just want to go back to their regular problems yeah in a way that i'm sure happened in shakespeare and you know and 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 dickens and a bunch of other shit but i just can't place any references oh see i thought of it more as like you know this, you know, random kid from a small town goes out to Hollywood, makes it big in a movie, and just sells out immediately. 
and like I was thinking can't it was deal like, with the success and doesn't have any real friends anymore. I was thinking it was like the last half of Citizen Kane stapled to the last half of A Christmas Carol, where like he gains all this status and power and then realizes that it's not for him. As opposed to the first half of both of those movies, where they both gain just, a bunch of power. It's just establishing <laughs> it's like, the sadness in the world. It's sad. It's a sad world, and one guy is on tap. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Spacely is making Fred his spokesman, and Rudy, you know, he's still that information leak and transmits it to his um, computer lover. And so <laughs> this, Cogswell. This fucking movie. And so I hate every sentence that comes out of your mouth at this point. <laughs> and so when Spacely presents Fred to his board of directors, Cogswell scoops him by marketing Barney. Oh my god, yeah. And then Fred tries to murder Barney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and it's so weird because Fred the entire time has been taking credit for stuff Barney has done or George has done or just all that stuff. And when it but finally get, happens to him, he? He, is just, he just can't deal with it. I'm the main character, dickwad. My name's in the title. I am the <laughs> alpha male in this and every other time period. How dare you? Yeah. And, and I kind of liked that moment because the family started feuding a little bit in a way that they constantly did back in the actual show, The Flintstones. Yeah. But it's immediately dispersed. Yeah. With... um. Uh, the the time machine is eventually fixed, and uh, well, they but, get, they fix it with the help of Rudy, um, who feels they, real real bad about that industrial espionage. Well, so he is. It's he weird is that no forgiven. other computers seem to exist. They're like, oh, we need somebody to handle all the numbers. Dude, You're, why do you think? How do you think those two met up on like you know, E E Harmony? Like they were the only <laughs> profiles around. I Harmony. Um, and we're folks... oh man, I harm you, Zane. We're 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 only a short half decade away. <laughs> um, we're we're forced at incredible speed into an emotional moment where Rosie pleads with him to help, saying like, like you you are the only one who has the power to do these computations. You also have another power, the power to care for Mister J. Mister J, <laughs> which is the same it... thing that Harley Quinn calls the Joker. I was about to say like that sounded exactly like Harley Quinn. <laughs> and and Rudy just says that's a power I haven't been using lately. <laughs> oh God, yeah, like 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 milking a gland that has been atrophying since the beginning of this movie. <laughs> I I don't care about <laughs> emotions. Do not. It's just yeah. But, that, but I think uh, you know the movie and us are both ready. For them to switch times back, you know, Fred, we're ready for the resolution. Yes, Fred is displeased with the future, pretty much because he can't stand to see Barney. He, happy. he hates Barney. <laughs> he hates. No, he's no. Like this is another like, um, this is like another um, blue collar trope where like he's only dissatisfied because his peers are doing better than him. Like we had this in in Louis Anderson's he, dad hating yeah. the guy who like moved next door. He's like, I don't care that my life sucks as long as it's better than my neighbors. Yeah, and like a uh, like a bully, he resorts to to violence immediately. And Wilma points out like you would have done the same thing. And Fred says, How do you know? I didn't get the chance chance to do it. And yeah, we get the wacky scene where Barney is you know suspended above an irradiated wasteland right which is by the way uh um there's like there's a mattress down there barney's planned this all out yeah yeah um, this is he's, a got a, he's got a he's got a whole crew down there ready to show for him back up for the resolution of the plot all as the great gazoo commanded and you know it's wacky because the music sounds like a jazz band walked into a vaudeville show 
It seems odd that it's just windows keeping everybody from dying in Jetson World. Yeah, especially considering how many things we see thrown around at high velocity. Not even just in this movie, like when the Flintstones get there, like that happened in the Jetsons too. And they don't even build like full cities. They just build these spires that are really easy to knock over. Yeah, it's like a Gauntlet Legend stage. (laughs) (laughs) It's just built for show, man. Dude, considering how many times the like foodalator malfunctions, you would think that like it would have a ton of broken windows for like his boy Elroy to fall out of his death. Are the Jetsons us? Like, consider how frequently your computer stops working or your printer breaks down, but you can't like you have to use those. I need this. <laughs> I more, can't go back than, to the way things were. More than that, Zane, if if the Foodalator malfunctioning leads to their deaths, that's them, like, embracing nuclear power. And then the robots take over. And then the robots take over. Um, Zane, shit just, shit just got fake. Back in the past, <laughs> George is tired of owning everything. Yeah, so he comically passes out, passes all of the like deeds that were written that were like chiseled on stone like contracts chiseled on stone gives them all back to i don't know his investors or something some other texan doesn't matter (laughs) yeah somebody else in texas Um, and they go back to being poor and then they they don't have an escape strategy he loads up drive around for a while (laughs) he loads up the car and drives into a lake (laughs) because he does he's ready he's ready for his exit he's just tired of living <laughs> um, but luckily rosie comes back she she travels through time misfiring once getting attacked by medieval knights which yeah that was weird that's a that's a neat touch you know of course you're not going to calibrate it right the first time I, but but why but why why but why and why <laughs> like it just i don't i don't know <laughs> padding at this she, point, I thought when they got back to the past, they were going to have to use club power again to power it up to go to the future. That's how I remember it happening. Hmm. Um, anyway. But yeah. she, she thinks they're primitive robots, and I like the idea of primitive robots, you know, because the Flintstones have all the other modern conveniences. Yeah, and again with the Futurama episodes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they meet up with Rosie. There's a time machine. And they Iggy bring... tries to win Judy back. Yep, and nobody cared, and I almost stooped to fast forwarding. Well, um, Ben, then you then you miss the scene where Izzy sees them disappear, is traumatized, goes back to town, tells them what he saw, and is burned alive for being a wizard. <laughs> he did get his uh, guitar skills from the devil. <laughs> yeah, as as we've established, rock is literally not just figuratively the music of the devil. And um, yeah, so the the plot up and resolves itself without any help from any of the main characters. They just waited for the plot to be over. <laughs> no, Much no, no. like I did. No, 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 no. You're missing a great moment that I think you enjoyed, but I don't, I don't know if you're glossing over it. Spacely has another freak out when Jetson returns, but they gain his favor by giving him the Flintstones trademark car, which he mass produces for the nostalgia crowd. Yep. And because Rudy is no longer an inside uh, computer, uh, Spacely uh, Cogswell hates that Spacely came up with a winning idea that he couldn't steal. And despite all of his success, is too upset to like, he, he he's ripping his hair out over this. It's, it's so comically villainous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love that rivalry that like, is just at the back burner for this entire plot line of them just got to do better than the other guy. 
Yeah, it's not about winning. It's about not losing as hard as him in the same way that Fred just doesn't want to lose as hard as Barney. And then we get a chase scene. Oh, yeah, with that robo dog. I forgot about it. I saw that today and I had forgotten about it. (laughs) And then rounding out unnecessary side plots, Judy meets another Iggy. Meets new Iggy. New Iggy from the future. God, I'm so Ben. I'm so upset how much time we've spent talking about Iggy. <laughs> <laughs> we tried not to talk about him. I did my best. They, they, and anyway, like so, the, the subplots all resolve themselves. Uh, uh, they won't shut up about thanking each other, and Fred realizes friendship or something. Oh, Ben, um, did you catch that, Mister Spacely? Like when they told him about the time machine, his immediate response was like, "We we need to do Jurassic Park." Wait, what? Oh man, does he? He's like, we got to get some dinosaurs up in this. Yeah, piece. we'll mass produce them. Oh, God. We'll have a park. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't believe that this movie even happened. And then, rather than like hitting the time machine again or building another one or something, the Flintstones start to shimmer and travel through time because, as Elroy <laughs> says, because they now have possess a time car. <laughs> they picked up coronal energy on their trip, but no, George has a better reason. That car just wants to go home. I, I actually thought that that was kind of cute, and I didn't mind that, that and idea. Then the movie's over. Uh, there's this awesome, there's this little bit that I think was a really funny piece of animation yeah. where um, where uh, Spacely is being excited about how many cars he sold and like is talking to both families about it, and everybody from both families just stands there shaking their heads. <laughs> in the exact same way with no expressions on their faces oh I and then they would... just do it again five seconds later it's super weird it's like <laughs> I... it's like come play with us forever i don't understand why it's like that i thought you were talking about in the last few frames where they're like all waving goodbye to the car that's already disappeared and you hear them all saying goodbye and you hear astro's astro's voice very clearly but you don't see him yep and then he then I, I that was another like weird little glitch that I noticed. <laughs> I don't understand why they didn't just have a time machine only work one more time instead saying that the car was now a time machine. Just hit it. Just hit it again. Just hit it so one good. more time. Um, it's got enough juice left for one more trip. That's all you had to say. <laughs> but no, they gave him a time car. Time car. This 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 movie is like has such a. Like, loose grasp of the interesting parts of it it's got such an abusive relationship with its own like narrative structure <laughs> it just doesn't know whether it wants to like keep it doesn't know what whether or not it wants to explain the plot it can't make up its mind anyway and that's uh, and that's the movie it just kind of ends It sort of does. Go Speed Racer. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't. That was pretty not good. I'm pretty yeah. pretty sad that I watched it. We, this is, we got we got through it. We did, and it was kind of funny talking about it. Um, I think that this is an interesting beast in that, like, you know, the made for TV movies slash cartoon crossovers. But it doesn't seem like either one of them really brought out anything exceptional in the other one. 
No, it was a it was a movie of the show that's but twice just the as show. long. And part of it was bad because it was the Jetsons. I I preferred the Jetsons. I I cannot imagine a person preferring the Jetsons <laughs> to the Flintstone. That it makes no sense to me. I mean, you don't have Barney, but then again, you also don't have Fred. <laughs> <laughs> that's Mel Blank. Oh, is it? Yeah, Wait, that was the only voice actor him? I recognized. I'm like, holy shit, he's still there. When did we deal with him? Ben, he's Bugs Bunny. Isn't his boy Elroy uh, Boo Boo? Maybe. Like, doesn't he not know Yogi? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, did you did you pick up on any interesting animation or, or uh, audio or animation details like that? Uh, I just wanted to state again that there wasn't any laugh track in it like the Flintstones normally has. Oh, thank goodness. And there were like no real scene transitions other than like cut to the future cut to the past that was yeah. kind of the only scene transition there was there were a lot of um parts of scenes where they're walking and talking and they do that repeating backgrounds um, oh man gag that i would have loved that but yeah a lot of the time that's how they got to scenes uh, that weren't just back and forth i i like that they spent the majority of the time in the in the past because of that whole you know physical comedy thing or not physical comedy but like ironic primitive use of modern stuff thing that you know like 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 fred and barney using turtles as helmets yeah it's definitely much better than how they do in the future i thought of it as a plot necessity because if they're in the future you know they can get back at any time just build a new one uh yeah that's that's sort of a good point uh well as long as elroy is there Oh, of course. In, in 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 case you forgot, in the razzmatazz that was this movie, Elroy created the very first working time machine. Yeah, and they went on vacation. They went on vacation. Um, couple of other animation just details. Um, Fred and George's uh, faces have this distinctive area for their stubble, and actually, a lot of other characters do too. Doesn't like to shave because caveman stubble. <laughs> um, Me and Barney always order water buffalo. They're, they're shaded differently, and the lines are so thick that it kind of looks like they have really slim heads behind, like, mouth masks. Like, go they, they back do and... have similar nose, like, like picture their face, Picture their heads as just, like, that thing in front of them isn't part of them, and they look really wild. They do have similar nose physics, but that's kind of where the similarity stopped for me. Uh, one nice thing about the animation is that all the characters had to adapt, well... When they went to the past, the future characters had to adapt by using the styles that were in. Mm. Like the, yeah, like they couldn't, the they couldn't wear those neck triangles anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I liked that they all commented on it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure what about that I like. I just liked it. But again, like they commented on how it looks, not like how it feels or how it functions in the same way that like... Well, even his movie... boy Elroy did. That one didn't feel as sexist to me. This this movie is focusing on everything but the nuts the nuts and bolts, but that's what would be interesting in this type of movie. Nice sprockets joke. I didn't even mean it. Great, you shouldn't have. Um, I I thought it would have would have been a really funny like way to do this movie would be like to play it all straight and not like this uh prince and the pauper realizing their own places thing. Uh. Uh-huh. Um, which I guess didn't happen in that, but that's not the point. What I think would have been really funny is if when Fred and his family went to the future and got pampered and used all the new technology, they were set for life. And when the <laughs> other guys went to the past, they were like almost immediately like 
begging for scraps because they couldn't hack it in the in prehistory and then fred refuses to go to switch places back why would he have to switch why couldn't they just all live in the future because well prince and the pauper style you have to have someone take your place sure that's time mass dynamics his boy elroy will tell you all about it in his new book or i guess old book prehistoric book it gets confusing ten commandments (laughs) the ten commandments yeah. <sighs> well, that actually that 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 went by more painlessly than I thought it would. Brisk. We we pasted very briskly and just touched on the bits that were like funny in a meta way as opposed to actually like humorous and and, in, like, and audience a plot way. I did not. You know, we both put off watching it, and I didn't really enjoy watching it like you no. did. I took a break in the middle. <laughs> um, I went to have a run, but like talking about it and summarizing it, and and just. Looking at how we, surface level this thing that could have been done so much better and would have been these days if they weren't so stuck in their old ways. I don't know. I, I'm i glad we did this. Look, Looking back on it from after having talked about it, I didn't realize at the time how patchwork and muddy the plot was. Yeah, but yeah. It was, only, it was only through discussing it that I realized that it, how Mad Libs it became. Oh, I, you know, I remember this movie from years ago, and I still really? had, like, bits and pieces in my mind, and I was like, oh, man, how did those all fit together? And I watched the movie, and I'm like, no, that's all there was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just, just, just a collection of sh- vignettes of what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, man, I, I don't think Barney was very well showcased in this movie. He came no, off as he's... kind of a... Of a, of a dunce of a sidekick, whereas, like, Fred is the mastermind, which is clearly not the case most of the time. It's only once he usurps Fred's authority in the future as the spokesman for Cogswell Cogs that I yeah. really thought that his character came out. But before then, he's just different Betty. They definitely over-focused um, on the two main characters, Fred and George. There, there was no other way to do that. I stand behind behind that entirely. No, absolutely. It's just, like... They they weren't interesting. I, I, I find Fred very interesting. I, I think that that archetype is a really fun one. You know, the man's man who's proud of being a man's man. Um, yeah, I don't know. That That's always very... That, that That's a thing that's kind of relatable. What I wanted to say was they overfocus on Fred and George, but I'm kind of glad because the other characters really weren't that interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, with the exception of Barney Rubble. And his boy Elroy. And his boy Elroy. Also, Fred and George. Do you th- is this where um, they got the inspiration for those uh, Weasley boys in in Harry Potter? Fred and George. Uh, are those the names of some those, of the Harry Potter those, things? Those are the twins, the Weasley brothers. I assume that it was the Seven Dwarves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, updated for a modern British audience. Fred, George, Lumpy, whatever. <laughs> was one of them called Lumpy Zane? <laughs> I were think they really? So. Then they were all lumpy to me. They were pretty lumpy. They also had Fred Flintstone noses. Fred really? Flintstone nose physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any last thoughts? Not really. Um, what are we What are we I, watching next time to clear our mouths and our minds? Uh, I, well, I'm definitely clearing my mouth with uh, recess. We're gonna be taking gonna be taking noble savagery savagery to its logical extension in the in in our early adolescence i'm gonna talk about the show recess i have very fond memories of this show i hope it stands up um 
I wouldn't mind actually doing like a Flintstones just by itself feature at some point because I don't think this would we didn't we couldn't really do anything except for a compare contrast essay here. Yeah, but yeah. I would be interested in looking at one of them by themselves at some yeah, that point. Yeah, that, that could definitely be cool. And I'm I'm looking forward Let's to crack recess the window for that. I'm looking forward to recess because in many ways it is very cliched a show as well but they execute it very nicely and, and it, it's a, with some interesting twists it's like what if every episode of the flintstones we focused on a different character yeah but it, it's it's not like that at all in a more but vibrant that is world. one of the differences it, it's it's a more vibrant world where everybody it, you remember breakfast of champions where you know there's no main character i mean there kind of is but there's kind of not there, there sort of is you know everyone di- everyone's dick sizes in that, which I think was a nice touch. What if they did that in the Flintstones? What if they did that in Recess? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that episode where they all have a have a contest? They're like, uh, Swinger so, girls uh... got everyone beat. <laughs> I never knew. It's the centripetal force that gives the extension. Now that now you know why they call him Principal Prickly. Ew, do they? Isn't that his name? I have no idea. Do you remember when Principal... Never mind. Uh, we're going to save this for later. Um, <laughs> do you imagine that uh, that George Jetson or Fred Flintstone had the bigger dingus? Oh, Flintstone. You must, you must answer this. I want to uh, talk about this. Well, before or after George's, you know, future technology that, that you know, yeah, takes care of that engineering, right? I mean, all he does to satisfy his wife is to, like, press a button and then the machines do it. That's good. That's a good point. Plus, I'm, I'm sure that his boy Elroy is working on a solution for his impotence at this very moment. <laughs> what if his boy Elroy just... Now we're just, like, describing things that would have been funny for us and no one else. So what maybe if we should Elroy, just end. What if Elroy traveled back in time to cure his father's impotence so that he could be born? <laughs> well, we are now talking directly about things that were not this movie, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just leave that question as rhetorical. <laughs> leave that one to the philosophers. Yes. Such as Barney Rubble. Praise it be his name. <laughs> and uh, after recess, what are we doing, Zane? Well, I was hoping to do something uh, a bit more adult. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I don't like that segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I want I want to do something sort of uh, fantastic, but also down to earth. In a, Showgirls. In a... Nope. Requiem for a Dream. You know, uh, recess is a very... Saw. Is a very slice of, of life, you know, true to form but with some fantastical elements contained within the show i want to do is a surreal show that follows the mundanity of life uh so we are going to be watching life and times of ten ugly americans ugly americans what is life that and times of tim was a very close options ugly americans that's that um that's that show where like people are monsters and warlocks and stuff and it follows the life of some guy Oh, sounds bad. He's dating like the devil or something. Oh, not not um Judy, the daughter of the devil. No, no, that's a shame. Not I the great like Satan, the great Stan. Uh, okay. I guess I guess I'll learn about that show. Have you seriously not seen it? I think it was one Ugly of David's Americans? favorites back in the day. No way, I haven't seen it at all. It sounds bad. It's um, I guess we'll you see. could kind of consider it like Life and Times of Tim, but with a good heap of uh, BoJack Horseman thrown in. Well, I like both parts of that. So, fingers crossed. Um, listener, if you like what you heard, or if you didn't, feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, if you have anything to say about Recess or 
Ugly Americans yeah. right into the show. And feel um, free to recommend shows as long as they're not the Flintstones versus the Jetsons again. Versus the Jetsons. That's what really what it? this was. What did you call it the last, the last time? Flotsam, Flotsam meets the Jetsons. Flotsam Starks. v. Jetson. Yeah, it's Flotsam meets the Jet Starks. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So, anyway. Winter um, is coming, Ben, in many yeah, thousands of years. If you don't want to take the black, uh, t- tell us about uh, how you thought, uh, what you thought of Recess and Ugly Americans. And above all else, um, tell your friends about the show. Mm-hmm. All right. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's hop in our car, which mm-hmm. still has just enough energy left to get home. Uh, well, more importantly, Zane, it wants to go home. <laughs> it, is, it is so done with this. Yabba dabba do. Uba duba. Ubi dooby? Uba duba? Is that is just Uba duba? I don't know. Great. Let's never know. Sometimes I feel like I need a vacation. Sometimes I feel like I wanna go to the city of cavemen. City of bedrock I'd be a Flintstone Now I'll tell you why Well I got, I got a woman named Wilma Well I got, I got a fanny named Pepper Well I got, I got a doggy named Dean Shave, he got caveman's trouble. Me and Barney.